welcome to another episode of Don't <sighs> Fuck with the Original. I am your host, Casper. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm trying to move my chair, and I was like, and I'm I broke your, Becky. <laughs> she does every time. And I am your other host, Becky Gremlin. Here to bring you all things spooky on Wednesdays, even though it's Friday, because happy holidays, huh? Yeah, because it's podcasting. Yeah. It's Friday. Um, Hello. We hope you all had a wonderful, happy holiday and Christmas and Kwanzaa and Hanukkah and Festivus and all whatever you stuff. celebrate. We hope you had a great time. And a Yule and and a solstice. There is no Christmas, only Yule. <laughs> hope you all got that reference. You better I, fucking have got that reference. I actually had someone once notice a few weeks ago my uh, pentagram and wish me a happy Yule. And that was kind of nice. Oh, how precious. Some people pay attention. I wish people a Merry Christmas. I don't mind it one way or the other. She goes, we wish you the merriest, the merriest. The merriest. The merriest. If I could, I would. <laughs> Just like that. We wish you the merriest. You can't see my face right now, but there's a lot going on. <laughs> we wish you the merriest. It's very, the merriest. It's, it's very animated. I am, I am very animated. <laughs> I love it. Me as a person. I love it. Okay, guys, so we hope you had a great week. It feels like we haven't recorded in like 7,000 years. Oh, my gosh. But it's our 50th episode. Pew, pew, pew. Pew, pew. <laughs> like two pews. <laughs> two. A pew, two pews. Um, it feels crazy that we've literally almost been doing this a year. Yeah, this is, I, it just doesn't even feel that way. There's a part of me that feels like we've been doing this forever. And there's a part of me that feels like we've been doing this for two weeks. Yeah. Like, is that, is that make any sense? Like, it just started, <laughs> but it's been going on for 15 years. <laughs> Said everybody about their job Yeah, ever. yeah, literally about everything <laughs> it's ever. It's been 84 years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just full of pop references tonight, apparently. It's, uh, yeah, I didn't, it really didn't dawn on me until I saw our social media post about tonight's episode and realized that it was 50th episode, and I was like, holy shit. Um, thank you, guys. Thank you to everyone who has listened. Uh, you know, it's a passion project for Casper and I, and um, we love this shit. We, you know, we don't get paid to do this. We do this on our own time. We do the research on our own time, and we have busy lives and families and everything, <laughs> whatnot, as the rest of you do. So, um, but it is, again, a passion project, and it's something that we both love. We both love podcast we have both been inspired by other people in wanting to do a podcast and being able to not only do a podcast but do one about this particular subject matter is incredible and uh, it's the one thing a week that i really look forward to yeah it, like, me too. keeps me going and i always look forward to our next subject and yeah i mean it's it's interesting every time we have to do research about something it's really awesome because it's something new to learn and it's exciting that we know we get to get together and not only for ourselves but for you guys and bullshit this is just really awesome <laughs> i just i never thought there'd be thousand people out there wanting to hear the sound of my voice speaking about... of which we've hit over 1300 and i want to say thank you to everyone Damn. all you new people that are listening thank you so much for subscribing on podbean you guys are awesome 
we really do notice, like, when you guys, like, reach out and stuff on social media, I try to answer you. I try to notice you guys because it's humbling, to say the least, that you guys even want to listen to, especially my fucking voice every week, <laughs> uh, how you handle that shit. But um, it's just it just means a lot to us that we continue to grow every single week and people are listening to us, people are reaching out and commenting and it's, it's just, it's very cool. It's very, very cool to be like, this is my podcast. Like what, (laughs) what is happening? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Like I, what, (laughs) (laughs) what, (laughs) like to tell people I have a podcast is just strange in itself. You know, it's very like, cool. Like I'll sometimes just bring it up in a conversation because like yeah. someone will say something. I'm like, oh yeah, and I'm, I'm doing an episode on the podcast tonight. And someone will be like, Ooh, you have a podcast. What's your podcast yeah. on? And I either get one of two responses. I'll be like, it's a horror podcast that covers like everything under horror. I either get, Oh God, I can't handle that. Or, Oh my God, what's the name? Oh yeah. It's always, <laughs> it's always one or the other. It's either, Oh my God, no, I can't listen to that. Or, Oh Wow. <laughs> right <laughs> like really excited what can or, i find you on really or excited nah. or repulsed <laughs> <laughs> there is no in between yeah no. no in between which is pretty much horror in itself so most yeah. people either dig it or they're just not into it that means like, there are eh. some things i'm kind of like mm-hmm. but you know what's what's weird is now with horror there's so many subcategories that people that say they're not into horror but then you have to go wait but you like this movie, this movie, and this movie, and they go, oh, well, then maybe I am into horror. And it's like, but you are. You're just into this type. That's why when I try to introduce people to horror, I'm always like, what kind of movies do you like? Because I can usually pick a subgenre of horror that they're going to like. Like, don't fucking throw the exorcist in their face. That's not how you get them into horror. (laughs) You gotta be like... That will make them run run for the hills. (laughs) Like, you Run for the hills! (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but like they'll they'll say something like I like thrillers. Yes. I'm a big fan of thrillers, and I'll be like, although that's technically a subgenre of horror. You have movies like The Strangers. You have movies like um, Red Eye that are kind of like a subgenre of horror where it's not necessarily in your face. Scary Some people but... would even argue with movies like Silence of the Lambs. Is is that a horror? And it's like yeah. some people have argued. If it's whether or not that's a horror movie, but... and I'm like, but yeah, it is a horror movie. It's just a, it's a subcategory of horror. Um, my husband loves creature movies. Creature features. He's a big, you know, he loves like Godzilla, that type of stuff. So it's like, oh, well then we know what type of horror movies you're going to like. Anything that's got some scary monster creature in it. Boom. That's, that's what you're going to be. Into. But not the Babadook. <laughs> <laughs> Crystal from Horror Nights and Podcast, I'm talking to you. I'm making this crystal clear. <laughs> I have never agreed more with one person about a movie in my life. I mean, it was literally. I remember listening. It was to her... a very I get you fam moment. I remember listening to her episode in my car and just screaming at myself like, yes, like, fine. Like, I'm just. Like, like yes, queen, screaming into the ether because into the ether. <laughs> because I was so excited to hear somebody describe that movie one hundred percent to a T about how I felt. 
regarding it. Like, yes, girl. That's how I felt when I listened like, to the Paranormal you, Activity you, one. You. Like, everything she said about all those movies. Oh, I was like, yeah, Everything. Same. Everything. I was like, yes, 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 and yes. Go listen to Crystal, Horror Nights and Podcast. And Horror Nights and Podcast. And listen to the episode that we did with her about the craft. So. <laughs> and go watch her on YouTube because she's cool as fuck. And subscribe. And, and subscribe. Like, <laughs> that was not a plug. <laughs> Uh, guys, it's after the holidays. Our brains oh are just my God. done. Okay, yeah. So I have to read to you guys. I read this to Casper earlier and on the wonderful, horrible internet that it is. Um, <laughs> it, it really is, though. Sometimes it just has these gems. And I saw this one and I was like, I feel this on a level that you, that I hope you guys understand. It said, we're now in that weird vortex between Christmas and New Year where time doesn't exist. We have no idea what day it is, and it's socially acceptable to start eating pie at 10 a.m. Um, so, can I tell you guys, at 10 a.m., I, like, really want an Arby's roast beef sandwich. So, I Arby's I has, this. Like, <laughs> ro- like, roast beef sandwiches, because Arby's is known for that. Arby's apparently is only a Midwestern Oh, thing. shit. Okay, so for you, for any of our listeners that <laughs> are like, what the fuck is Arby's? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Like when I heard I'm about In and so Out Burger sorry. for the first time, I was like, "Is that a porn hub?" <laughs> <laughs> sorry. <laughs> in and Out, get it? Because that's amazing. Um, that's inc- that's incredible. Yeah. Okay. So for anybody out there that's like the fuck, um, yeah. So well, they have the a fast food. It's a fast food restaurant that uh, is famously known for the roast beef sandwiches and I just really wanted one at 10 o'clock in the morning because I have no concept of day or time you really don't I'm at working all. and I have no concept I was gonna of say so she's been working I haven't I've been off and oh can I just say how amazing this is like the first time I've ever actually had like any time off around the holidays like legit time off that hasn't been like two days which literally you blink and you're right back to work again I feel you Casper and um <laughs> So I, but the, but the, the flip side of that is you're kind of like lost in this, like, like I read like a vortex, you're in this weird, like, I have no idea what's going on with my life right now. For some reason, the week, like after Christmas, before New Year's, that whole like few days is just, you have no idea what's going on. (laughs) Like you just literally, you really don't like there's, there's just no. December 26th exists? It's kind of just like, what? You're just like, you have literally no concept of what's going on. You're just like, I don't even know what's happening. And my brain's just kind of like... Oh, that's my brain, too. Yep. And not to There's those little cartoon skeletons doing, like, the rockets kicks in my head to that. I have the spinning seal. Oh. (laughs) With circus music, usually. But, like, not to mention that we did go see the new Star Wars last night. And yeah, we did. all I've been thinking about for a day. Um, so I listened to the entire soundtrack this morning. I listened to it yesterday. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Guys, it's incredible. Um, you know, we just had this whole discussion about the, the insane fanboys out there that... Uh, I got blocked oh and called a liar God. today because it's I so liked crazy. the movie. We were talking about that. Fun. With anybody that's a die hard about a franchise are insane. It's like you need to get a life. You need to like oh like you you just 
You just need to get a life, like an actual life, because it is not that serious. It is really not that serious. And if you didn't like it, cool. Yeah, if you what? liked it, cool. What? I don't really care. I fucking loved it. I, I cried really three times. It. I thought it was really beautiful. I thought it was, it, uh, it really, anybody that are fans, I, I just, I just feel like somebody like me that grew up with four, five, and six and grew up with the original, you know, that you you had Han Solo and Luke Skywalker and Princess Leia together and you had that unit. I felt like Finn and Poe and Rey were that unit. And then you you know and it just, it just it, it I just I don't know. I just anybody that found anything wrong with it that I've read is so trivial that I again go back to my original comment of get a fucking life like so picky oh my goodness gracious like unless you're getting paid to pick the movie apart like stop there's your why why I don't I don't get it it was it was a good film I enjoyed it I thought it really paid homage to the original films and and it was really beautifully done and I think I've I've said it from the beginning when Seven came out that I think that Ray character is incredible. She's Ray such is my an Star Wars hero, y'all. She's <laughs> she's such an inspiration, you know. I mean, whereas we loved Princess Leia, like she is just the real standout uh, female Star Wars character. Like she just really embodies so much and she's a real inspiration to a lot of people and uh i love that i love daisy ridley she's just adorable and she's, she's... a ray of sunshine <laughs> oh god crack my phone um she's hilarious yeah. i am so yeah we know it's not a horror but we just thought we'd throw it out there that we did finally get to see it and we loved it and if you enjoyed it great if you didn't whatevs but and i just, just want to i'm gonna i'm it, gonna make you know? all you suffer the way that becky has made me suffer look up coat i can't want to call him cody fern and his name is not cody fern Sorry, don't we love up. Cody? You Fern, can look up Cody, I mean, look Fern. Up Cody Fern, cool. Fern if you want to, but that has no reference to this. <laughs> look um, up Cole Sprouse and Daisy Ridley together. You're welcome. You're fucked now. <laughs> look, I saw it and I had to share. She sent it to me. Look, y'all, I have had a crush on Daisy Ridley since The Force Awakens. I love her. She's adorable. She's beautiful. She's, She's beautiful. Adorable. I mean, what is there not? And. Then I saw a picture of their faces together, and it's uncanny. You can't <laughs> unsee it. I mean, even Cole and Dylan have both said, "Yeah, it's picture. It's a picture of them, and it was a picture of her." And she has, she even agreed. Like you can't unsee it. <coughs> you know when they say that, you know, obviously they're twins. But when they tell, <laughs> but when they tell people that, like, oh, you have a twin, it's like, well, they have a triplet. So. You know There's a saying? female like, triplet that's a slight, slightly... I, actually, I think they might all be the same age. That's trippy. All in their 20s. Well, she's just barely 20s. a year older than me, and I think they may be either my age or the same. I'm not sure. But anyway, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they're good-looking guys, and she's beautiful, so, you know, there's not... there's. It's not it just like makes that's me saying anything. a lesbian, a very it's confused just... <laughs> individual, because I'm like... Like, my roommate's like, huh, do you like Cole Sprouse now? And I'm like, no, he's a boy. <laughs> I don't like boys. I don't like girls. <laughs> and me, I'm over here like, there's something for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, I don't care. 
You have the same face. The queer ones are just like, and I'm over here like, no. (laughs) (laughs) And they like Daisy, because girl, but they do have the same face and it fucks me up. (laughs) But we loved it. We loved it. Not just for her, but for everybody. Of course. Oh my God. The whole cast. The whole cast is just. C3PO was a huge standout. C3PO is always. (laughs) He's just. I I feel him on a spiritual level. And can we say that he's like one of few remaining cast members that's been in all of them? I think the actor's name is Anthony Daniels. He's been in all of them. And has maintained that insane figure all this time for 40 years. Let's talk about that, though. I know, That's right? Talent. Like, can I Can I know your diet plan, sir? Like, can you discuss, like, how you've kept the same figure for 40 years? People, let me tell you about my best friend. <laughs> C-3PO. <laughs> okay, guys, so... Tonight's episode. Tonight. <laughs> True crime. <laughs> Can I see how much I love that song? I actually really like that song too. It's been a long time. <laughs> this is how it's going to go. I so it. Mindy, I was um, talking to Mindy earlier today. She's one of our um, earlier fans. Love you, Mindy. She goes, I'm so excited for your guys' episode tonight because I'm just so ready for the randomness. <laughs> I was like, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> and thank you for my Christmas card. Mindy, that yeah, was so that was sweet so, She sent me one too. And thank so you, cute. dear. I really appreciated that. Yes. That was so awesome. Thank you so much. But um, yeah, so I came across this. I actually originally came across this topic when, um, I know we've mentioned them before, uh, Mile Higher Podcast, which is great. If you guys have not listened to it, I highly recommend it. Kendall Ray and Josh. Um, Kendall Ray actually, though, is a uh, YouTuber herself that does uh, true crime videos. And she did one last year about the Los Feliz murder mansion. And um, I highly suggest checking out her video after you listen to this episode. Because whereas you can just listen to us with hers, you get a visual. So you can actually get like pictures of the house and the family and whatnot. But um, this topic just seemed to tie, it tied in great with ending our Christmas theme for December. But um, it was also just something, again, I had never heard of before and is very interesting and continues to be very interesting. So um, again, like we said, it is from, it is the Los Feliz murder house uh, located in California. Um, And we're going to be using a news article from ranker.com, R-A-N-K-E-R, and uh, we're also going to be utilizing one uh, from Curbed.com out of Los Angeles. And uh, it's a more recent article because uh, apparently the house is up for sale. Apparently. I think it was actually bought super recently. Whoa. Okay. Yeah. Because that article was actually from May of this year. So it very well could have been bought by now. Um, and I only saw, I think I might have briefly saw that. I think it was um, maybe in the last month or so. So. Family was murdered in this house. People in horror movies. Let's move in. Me. Let's buy it right now. Oh, this house is haunted? I'll take it. I'll take it right now. Hold on, I gotta make sure it ain't a demon. And then I'll take it. <laughs> All right, so did you want to start off or... Sure. So this is called... Or called... Here we go. This is an article by... Her name is Colleen Conroy. So, Los Angeles has no shortage of infamous locations that house gruesome 
house gruesome or inexplicable pasts. Certain places such as the Hotel Cecil or Chateau Marmont are notorious for their repeated scandals, but the murder house left abandoned for decades in the neighborhood of Los... Is it Los Feliz? For sake of argument, we'll just say Los Feliz. Okay, because I keep wanting to say Feliz. I think it's... I've heard it pronounced both ways, so... It's kind of like Caribbean, Caribbean. I think it's... Yeah, it's tomato (laughs) at this point. Um... I did want to say real quick, the Hotel Cecil, at some point, we will do a podcast episode about that. That 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 place is, whew, there is all kinds of crazy haunted history with, with that place. There's, the, the Night Stalker is connected to Hotel Cecil, so yeah, we'll definitely be doing an episode about that for sure. Um, so, um, the murder house left abandoned for decades in the neighborhood of Los Files stands out as particularly chilling location. A house fit for a movie star nestled in the hills of Griffin Park at 2475 Glendower Place, the property's potential was cut short one December night in 1959 when Dr. Harold Perelson brutally murdered his wife <clears throat> excuse me, and attempted to kill his children before ultimately taking his own life, joining the repugnant ranks of people who murdered their families. Since that faithful... Faith, faithful since that fateful night even with new owners the mansion has stood empty and the family's belongings have remained untouched the mansion became a disturbing time capsule of the los files murder suicide a seemingly unmotivated crime in a quiet residential neighborhood for decades ghost hunters and curious neighbors have hunted for explanations and glimpses into the house's bizarre history beneath the layers of dust and rumors here are a few disturbing facts about the los felices own murder mansion so at 4.30 a.m. on December 6th of 1959, 50-year-old Dr. Harold Perelson stood over his wife Lillian's sleeping body and in one swift move slammed a ball-peen hammer into her head. Her blood pooled quickly. She eventually drowned in it with asphyxiation being listed as her official cause of death. That is absolutely terrible. Yeah, that's a pretty horrific murder. Um, covered in Lillian's blood, Dr. Perelson carried on into his 18-year-old daughter Judy's room proceeded to strike her as well. In the dark, however, it was only a glancing blow, and she awoke screaming. Her cries for help woke her two younger siblings, as well as most of the neighborhood. A neighbor from the time, Sherry Lewis, reported that it sounded like a wild animal screaming. Don't kill me, she was heard pleading, while her father demanded she lay still and be quiet. Judy somehow slipped away from him and ran to get her mother. At this point, she was joined by her younger siblings, who had awakened to Judy's screams. Finding the bloodbath in the next room, Judy bolted from the house and started frantically banging on neighbors' doors for help. The screaming pleas of Judy woke her younger siblings, 11-year-old Debbie and 13-year-old Joel. When they got up to investigate what was happening, they found their father covered in blood, still holding the murder weapon. This is a nightmare, he told them, go back to sleep. By this point, after smearing blood across the windows of neighbors while screaming for help, Judy returned with their neighbor, Marshall Ross, who had called the police. Other neighbors reported being frozen with fear and that the whole front door of the Los Feliz mansion was a mass of blood. <clears throat> Covered in the blood of his wife and daughter, Dr. Perelson strode, stro- strode away from his children and toward the bathroom. According to the <clears throat> coroner's report, neighbor Marshall Ross entered and confronted him and the doctor told him to go home and not to bother him. Though some reports mention that he swallowed a cup of acid, the police reports record it as follows. Smearing blood everywhere, Perelson proceeded to rip open two capsules of Nimbutal? 
Yeah, I drug popular with suicides and euthanasia. It was Judy Garland's drug of choice. Mm-hmm. And downed them, followed by over 30 pills believed to be a form of codeine. Nimbutal was also <clears throat> used by... So at this time, it was a uh, barbiturate that was really, really popular around the 50s with different Hollywood stars. Whereas a lot of them would take like... They pretty much had a diet of uppers and downers is what they would call them. So they would take something to keep them up when they acted all day and something to finally let them crash and fall asleep. Um, Nimbutal was also a favorite of Marilyn Monroe. So you had these doctors that would just work for the, they worked for MGM, they worked for the studios and they would just sign off on these prescriptions and him being a doctor, obviously it was very easy for, for him to get as well. So it was a really, really popular medication well it honestly sounds sounded familiar like the name of it sounds familiar yep and i actually and the reason why i mentioned marilyn monroe is the first time i had the first two times i had heard it is movies that i had seen about marilyn monroe and judy garland Mm -hmm. yeah it was just a really pop really it was specifically a barbiturate and it was what they called a downer because really it was supposed to be like it like it says it was supposed to be used to euthanize or people it was actually originally came out on the market as a um Oh, what do you call it? Uh, an anesthetic. So it would like knock people out for procedures. Well, then people sort so it was similar to like propofol. So then people would use it to. So you're really not getting a sound sleep, but it would knock you out to where you would just, you know, you're so un, you're so exhausted from the day of acting all day, you know, on set or whatever. And you've also been on uppers all day to keep you awake that you want something to finally knock, literally knock you out. Then they would take an imbutal. Like actually Marilyn Monroe used to take it with champagne. They they think that, you know, JFK didn't kill her though. Anyway. uh... (laughs) Um, Perelson walked back to his wife's bedroom, laid down next to her, resting his head on a bloody pillow and his breathing became pretty shallow. Before the ambulance could even arrive, he was dead, still clutching to the hammer, which he had attempted to destroy his family. Good God. The night of the crime, police found on the doctor's bedside table, Dante's Divine Comedy opened to Canto 1. Midway upon the journey of our life, I found myself within a forest dark, for the straightforward pathway had been lost. At the time of the murder-suicide, investigators weren't <clears throat> excuse me, quite sure what the motives were behind his crime, but leaned towards blaming financial problems. An injection specialist, the doctor had, I'm sorry, an an injection specialist, the doctor had invented a new technology involving improved syringes and proceeded to sink a large chunk of his savings and years of his life into developing the product. However, a partner with whom he'd made a verbal agreement swindled him out of the rights to his own invention. A bitter legal battle ensued and Perelson only ended up with a little over $20,000 in settlement money. This coupled with a car accident involving Judy and the younger kids sank the doctor further and further into financial duress. In a letter written to her aunt prior to the murder, Judy wrote, My parents, so to speak, are in a bind financially. My family are on the merry-go-round again. Same problems, same worries, only tenfold. On top of all of this, the doctor suffered what had been explained as coronaries to friends and neighbors, but in the fallout of the investigation were exposed as multiple suicide attempts. It became clear that the doctor had been growing increasingly disturbed and his wife had wanted him had wanted him committed to a psychiatric facility. So it was actually he um back in this time when people used to give injections, they weren't um basically what he 
what he invented, because I've read more into this too, what he invented was, and I'm no specialist on this, but it, when you would originally have to fill syringes up, there was no, the process of getting the medication into the syringe wasn't being done um, in a way that was sanitary. So what he invented was almost like pre-filled syringes. It was a way to have the syringes filled so that you wouldn't have to keep sticking, like you could change the needles out and you wouldn't have to keep sticking the same needles into the same medication. So it's not like cross-contamination. And yeah, he had gone into a partnership with another doctor and instead of signing any type of paperwork or putting a patent on it, it was just a verbal agreement and the guy stole the rights to his own invention and he patented it. Made like millions off of this. I mean, it's still used today. So, yeah. That sucks that you're talking you're talking only making you're talking you're talking only ma- Well, you know, he trusted the guy and that yeah. fucking sucks and he well, only in made the time 20- period too. You think about it, that was when men were true to their word. And- yeah, you shook a man's yeah. hand and you took him at their word and obviously that didn't happen. So you make 20 grand out of something you see somebody make millions out of that was your idea. And then the car accident was um he became an alcoholic not long after this, which was common. Most men drank. That's how they dealt with problems or mental illness or depression or anything like that. So he was involved. He was involved in a uh, drunk driving accident, and the kids were in the car. So he had to pay out because it was obviously his fault because he was driving drunk. And then um, they believe. I mean, obviously, since he had access to medications and writing mm-hmm. prescriptions, they believe that he started to not only drink but was also using pills that were you know obviously slipping in more into a depression and you know suicide attempts because i think at that point he felt like you know what what am i going to do now to try to take care of my family you know and this is 1959 back in a time where you know the man was the breadwinner of the household and you have three children and you know you're trying to keep up a status in a neighborhood and you're living beyond your means so um there was also rumored to and I haven't been able to find anything to substantiate this but there was rumored too that the main reason why he went after Judy was a life insurance Mm. that he apparently hadn't planned on killing the youngest kids he was wanting the life insurance policies to go to the youngest kids that that hasn't been substantiated but yeah i just thought i'd mention that if anybody was wondering why he specifically like killed his wife and then went after judy after that instead of the youngest two she was 18 so technically an adult so that makes yeah. perfect sense. Yeah. If that, like I said, it hasn't been substantiated, right. but it does make sense. <clears throat> I can't sit. You're like, I can't. I'm like, I can't lift my leg. <laughs> yeah, these getting into now about the house, these pictures of what the house looked like sat empty for so long. It's, it's so creepy. Weird. One of the more puzzling questions regarding the location of the Los Feliz murder suicide has to do with what has been sitting inside of it for over 50 years. Neighbors and curious visitors have long reported and documented through photographs a Christmas tree along with neatly wrapped presents in one of the rooms of the mansion. Given that crime, 
Given that the crime took place in December, <clears throat> this shouldn't raise any concern aside from the general creepiness of the house's preserved state post-murder. However, there are claims to support that the Perelsons were Jewish and most likely wouldn't have had a tree. Additionally, there are life magazines dating later than the murder date and cans of SpaghettiOs, which were invented after 1959, visible through the windows as well. For a house that was just that was used as just quote unquote storage, these all strike one more as artifacts of daily life rather than items to stow away. Um, this gave life to a rumor that a second unknown family rented and lived, lived in the house for a year after the deaths, unbeknownst to the gruesome recount of what took place. According to this rumor, the squatters conveniently found out on the anniversary of the crime and fled the house, leaving all their belongings, including their Christmas decorations, behind. However, there is no solid evidence behind this urban myth, and the tree and presence remain a murder mansion mystery. Y'all, that's creepy. That's really fucking creepy. I mean, there was nothing, I never found anything substantiating that the family was Jewish. So, um, and I don't, I've, I've heard the same thing all along. And, uh, even when I watched Kendall Ray's video, um, there was nothing, I mean, there, there was mentioned that there were pictures of a Christmas tree that was still in the house, which made perfect sense because it was December. It was the beginning of December. So, you know, most people put their Christmas stuff up right after Thanksgiving, but yeah, I, I never heard anything about the family being Jewish. And, uh, I, for some reason, remember seeing pictures inside the house there's there's articles. I mean, you guys can see them on there. There's are there's plenty of pictures out there of pictures inside of the house. Um, I mean, obviously in later years there were squatters. There was you know there's a big homeless problem in L.A. I'm sure if some of you are listening from California, you already know that. So obviously there were squatters. With this place being sent with this area being centered right in Griffith Park, that is a very, very popular park in LA. A lot of people go running in that park, walk their dogs in that park. So, um, and there's homeless drug problems around that park too. So speaking of dogs, yeah, our friend has come to join us. Yeah. Right on time. Sorry guys. Um, as always. Uh, but yeah, so it's very well likely that at some point there could have been squatters in the house afterwards. Like I think some of the things like the SpaghettiOs and stuff like that, but, um, that's always been something that people have stood by that Nate, you know, that neighbors and curious onlookers had stood by into the sixties and the seventies that the main family room of the house still had a Christmas tree and presents wrapped underneath it, which is just so fucking creepy. I don't think that there was anything moved in as far as like the food and SpaghettiO cans until uh, like maybe the 80s, which Probably, would make sense because yeah. then that was when more of a homeless problem started moving in 80s and 90s. Right. So there would have been more, more of a likelihood around the 80s and 90s that squatters started entering that house. But like I said, there's reports going all the way into the 60s, not long after this murder happened, where there was still a Christmas tree and unwrapped presents in the house. And I'm like, God, that is just... That's really weird. So <clears throat> disturbing. 
1960, less than one year after the ghastly incident, a Lincoln Heights couple named Emily and... I guess it's Julian. Emily and Julian. Julian. Okay. Enriquez. Enriquez purchased the house in a probate auction. A Spanish Revival-style mansion, 2475 Glendower Place, boasted a hilltop view and three stories that rounded out over to 5,000 square feet. Despite these selling points, the new owners never moved in and supposedly only used the house as storage. This was supported by reports from their neighbors confirming that they saw them coming and going with boxes but never staying overnight. Emily Enriquez passed away in 1994 and her son, Rudy, inherited the house. Like his parents, Rudy claimed to have only used the house as storage. In 2009, he told the Los Angeles Times, I don't know that I want to live there or even stay there. It appears he did neither, and when he passed away in 2015, the house once again entered the market, nearly untouched since the haunting night more than 50 years earlier. That's just what was so... I don't know why, but in my... To me, that just seems so fucked up. Like, these people bought this house... And never lived in it. Like, you you bought this house. You knew what happened in this house. I mean, obviously, if if the people that sold you the house didn't say anything, I'm sure as hell the neighbors did. But, uh, like, no, there, there's no fucking way. There's no fucking way that... Why... I would never, I wouldn't care how much the house cost. I would never buy a house like that. And why in the world you would buy the house and only use it like you only kept your stuff in it. And see what was so fucked up is they never, what was left in the house that was still the Perelsons, they never moved out. So like you're keeping this house as storage, but this prior family who had a horrific death like tragedy happened to them their shit is still in there and you're just moving your shit in on top of it like what the fuck i yeah i i I, yeah i'm sorry and then the son you know he inherited the house and you know i don't even know why he never and what was so strange and i've i read um another article about it like even though he inherited it why didn't he ever sell it? You inherited it in 94. I mean, you had plenty of time. You didn't pass away till 2015. You had plenty of time to try to sell this house. And he never tried to sell it. Never tried to sell it. But he never stayed in it. He kept... I know this is one thing that really pissed the neighbors off was that he kept his cats there. And, like, he would come by every day and feed the cats and everything. So, I mean, they weren't That's really starving, weird, though. Why wouldn't you but keep it's the like, cats in your why house you keep... that you're living in? Exactly. Why are you keeping the cats in this house that's full of shit that and you're I don't not even, even at? And to be honest with you, I don't even know how well, because people complain that the house smelled like cat piss. So how well was he even taking care of these cats if he was coming by every day and feeding them? I mean... Even if you were cleaning the litter boxes, it's like, dude, why were why were neighbors complaining that the that the house smelled like piss? And cat pee is very strong. Oh uh, yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, though the foul nature of this murder suicide itself would be enough to carry the tale through history, what has distinguished this crime from other bizarre cases is the fact that the house remained nearly untouched for more than fifty years after the act. Following the night of the murder, the peril 
Perelson's belongings sat gathering dust and slowly deteriorating in the decades to follow, despite the house having been sold. Regardless of whether the Enriquez family actually stored any other things in the house or not, it is clear by the glimpses snuck through the windows they did nothing to move or alter the belongings of the original ill-fated inhabitants. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, this neglect achieved the perfect haunted house effect, not unlike its nearby Hollywood movie sets, only this was the real thing. Nobody is sure why the new owners would leave such a dark history to settle and stagnate, stagnate like they did. But it's definitely one of the factors that make the Los Feliz murder mansion equally eerie in the long list of L.A. murder cases. Like any bona fide haunted house, the Los Feliz murder mansion drew its fair share of curious visitors wanting to sneak a peek, sneak a glimpse through the windows of the well-preserved creepiness. Though the house was owned by the Enriquez family, it was the surrounding neighbors that put the most effort into keeping an eye on the house and maintaining basic upkeep here and there. So your neighbors are taking care of your house for you because you don't live in it. Yeah, it's the guy would storage. only stop by once a day and was barely there. Though him and the family before when they lived there. That's so weird. So I mean, you would get people would trespass, so neighbors would have to keep neighbors would have to put up no trespassing signs and keep people away because if they're going to cuz you have to think that's their neighborhood too. So they don't want these kind of people wandering around cuz they could break into their house or break into their car. Exactly. They discouraged trespassers, but at one point things were a bit out of control with everyone from prostitutes to transients to curious teenagers spotted going in and out of the yard. Among these claims of chills and overall menacing feelings would start to filter out. These amateur ghost hunters reported orbs seen inside the house, and people claimed they have heard a woman's voice yelling no, as well as reports of ghostly faces looking down from the mansion's windows. That that actually gave me chills, just reading that. Right. <laughs> At one point, a trespasser was bit by a black widow spider while attempting to break in the house. Even the spiders are like, fuck you! Yeah, it was a homeless woman trying to get into the basement of the house. She got bit in the hand by a spite by a black widow. But yeah, a lot of neighbors, that was a big claim by neighbors, was seeing uh, ghost faces in the windows. Mm -mm. You know, honestly, since we've been ghost hunting ourselves, I don't really get creeped out by much, but seeing a face... That would do it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that would, that would 100% do For it. For sure. Would I mean, it. like, is that a face covered up? <laughs> I would uh, ninja move like you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Due, due to the frozen in time nature of the crime scene, it's easy to forget that the three remaining members of the Perelson family actually survived and were somewhere out in the world. Following the murder, it's rumored that the children were taken into custody by an aunt, but after that, it seems as though Judy, Joel, and Debbie all but disappeared into thin air. For the reporters and crime enthusiasts that attempted to find and interview them, they were met with mostly false leads and dead ends. Understandably, it seems that the children were trying to distance themselves from the heinous crime as much as possible. Neighbors from Glendower Place commented that Judy was a pretty popular high school senior prior to the event. But all of that was ended with her mother's life and own near-fatal blow. To this day, none of the three children have ever committed, commented publicly on the crime, nor the fact that their house has stood silently full of their childhood belongings for the majority of their adult lives. They've probably changed their names. I would want to have anything to do with anything that had to do with that fucking house. Why and they probably you? changed their names. Oh, without a doubt. So. Without a doubt. Yeah, They're you're going to have... With their 
they're probably with their mother's sister. Mm-hmm. So they probably just went, they probably just used their mother's maiden name. And they probably changed their first names too. Yeah. I mean, so. could go by a middle name. Oh, yeah. yeah. Why would you want, I hear that all the time. Like when you think of, you know, when people come forward, like, you know, for instance, that, um, Ted Bundy had a child and where is that child? Or, you know, John Wayne Gacy's kids. Like why in the world would these people want to come out in the public and make that known? Hell no. They have to live with that. I wouldn't want anybody else to be bothering me about something like that. Cause you know, what would happen is if they did it, the press would literally oh, press them. God. It would be ridiculous. To death. It would be ridiculous. They wouldn't get Absolutely a break. Absolutely ridiculous. And that's some bullshit. If yeah, you ask no, me. they they have to live with that. So I, yeah, that's totally understandable. Let them <laughs> if they are still alive. I hope they are living in peace and they're happy because they deserve it. Seriously, when Rudy Enriquez passed away in twenty fifteen, the Los Feliz murder house once again found itself in a probate auction, initially listed at two point seventy five million. Nestled in the hills of Los Feliz, close to the Greek Theater, the sprawling mansion was built in nineteen twenty five. Described in its original ad as beautiful and delightful, the three-story quarters, four master bedrooms, and a glassed-in conservatory. Oh, and one mustn't forget the 20 by 36-foot ballroom that graces the third floor. Jesus Christ, that sounds nice. Mm-hmm. Needless to say, the house is grandiose by any standard, no matter what decade you're judging it by. The listing commented that the house was simply waiting for that special person looking for a wonderful opportunity to remodel or develop. However, no mention was made of the haunt-worthy incidents, nor the fact that the house had stood empty and decaying with abandoned belongings for over five decades. Oh, of course not. No, they're just going to list it as a fixer-upper. It's a bit of a (laughs) fixer-upper! Despite a set-up Anakin... I just said Anakin. I looked at it and was like... Did you read Anakin? I totally did. (laughs) When you said Anakin, I'm like, yep, sounds about right. Um, <laughs> Anakin's just popping in everywhere. Despite a huge setup akin to your run of the mill horror movie introduction. <laughs> seriously, though. Talk about, yeah. A couple bought the murder mansion in two point... <laughs> In 2016, for $2.29 million in July, the real estate agent tasked with selling the notoriously creepy property noted that there were many people interested in seeing the house, but that with all the activity of the people coming to see it, only one couple came to court. Of course, because no one wanted to buy it, they just want to see it. The couple was reportedly not deterred by the house's hellish past or the rumors of haunting. They intend to fix it up and live in it for the first time since 1959. The murder mansion may finally be lived in again. There's a Hollywood. There is a Hollywood after all. (laughs) This whole time, I did not know that there was a Hollywood. Like there is? (laughs) This is Hollywood after all, and the Harold Perelson murders make for a perfect horror movie. The plot writes itself, and it's an easy play for producers and screenwriters. After all, what's more frightening than a familicide? And right in L.A.'s own backyard. This isn't the first time that Hollywood has borrowed from reality. And medieval horror, The Conjuring, and Hotel Season American Horror Story were all inspired by true events in real locations. And if by anything, the true story aspect of these cases are what make movies even scarier. Which is actually true. 
so I found an article here that says, um, granted this was back in 2015, I haven't been able to find anything else, but it said that there was at the time a film in the works about the uh, Los Feliz murder mansion. It was to be produced by Louisa Iskin or Askin and John Wonder for the coalition group and was going to be written by Joshua Melkin, who wrote the script to Cabin Fever 2. Which I'm like, what? <laughs> and, uh, um, yeah, so I I haven't heard anything about that as of yet. But I um, don't think they should do that. I think they need to just leave it lie. Yeah. I mean, if you don't were, need to make a movie about that. I I just that's just too disturbing for me. I mean the fact that you know, and if they if they honestly were going to do something about it, I would want to see it done in a in a it would it would have to be done in a right way. I I could see a concept of it being done where like in the beginning of the movie they touch on the fact that you know what I would love to see it done that in a way maybe almost like uh Amityville like there was something yeah. e- like there was something evil in the house that I can that, I can get behind that that was possessing the, the 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 doctor and he killed his wife and the kids were able to get out and nobody's moved in the house since because there was something, you know, centering it back around this Dante's Inferno book and there was something that the doctor was conjuring up you know, I mean, there's dark art shit going on in L.A. You could totally spin that into a fucking horror film and take a real life thing and put a fictional story with it. I mean, it, they did it with Amityville. You could totally do it with this. It would have to just do it right, though, because I've seen movies done about places like this. Like, for instance, the uh, Vasilla Axe Murders that happened mm-hmm. in 1912 is an incredible story. If you guys don't know about that. Look that up. Watch the Ghost Adventures episode about it. It's fucking insane, that story. There was a movie that came out recently about it that's on Netflix, and it's similar to what I described. It's a fictionalized version of a real-life story, this movie. and the, But the movie was just... It really wasn't very good. It, it wasn't. And and But that's why I'm saying you, you could take a good concept but not execute it well. So I think taking a concept like that... And applying that to the Los Feliz murder house and doing it that way, it could be done right. Because obviously we've seen it done right. The con- the Conjuring was incredible. Um, American Horror Story, segments of American Horror Story have been based on um, real life places. Like we mentioned the Cecil Hotel in the beginning. Um, so yeah, they they could definitely do a movie about this i could get behind it if it's done yeah if it's done right if it's done that kind of concept just don't center it around the i would only want to make that story of the family like very short because that's just a bit of a a bit of a flashback you may say yeah yeah like a quick (laughs) like yeah 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 that and that that could be done right that could totally be done the right way don't tell anymore we'll make them i'm like oh crap that's right don't tell anymore we'll make it we'll we'll yeah (laughs) we know we know people we'll let me just get my agent on the phone. We'll Hello? We'll Hello? Um. <laughs> I am a clown. <laughs> I need you for a movie. 
Let me just get James Wan on the phone. Hold on. Uh, a like he doesn't have enough going on, but um, James Wan, I'm gonna need you to get on this when you have time. <laughs> um, if you just are looking for a concept, just wanting to speak to you, like just... you ever have time. But if you know, if you have time, um, <laughs> I'm just saying. So, um, we're gonna get into the other article real quick about the uh, house looking for a new owner. Apparently, this article from May of this year, 2019, that was written by Elijah Chiland or Chilland uh, for Curbed.com in LA. Uh, it says here that the infamous Los Feliz murder house was scared off by another owner. Apparently, the 1920s Spanish-style home near Griffith Park sold three years ago for just under 2.3 million dollars after sitting neglected. For most of the last half century. Now it's back on the market, seemingly midway through renovations. Ah. Renovations. Why does that always happen. Renovations. They stirred up a ghost. So, again, why you could have done a movie about this because it would make total sense. You know, I almost wonder if, like, the Enriquez family maybe started trying to do renovations on the house and something fucked up happened to them and they just decided, you know what, we're going to use this as storage and never come back. I mean, that's very possible, you know. Because it always seems like as soon as stuff like that happens and they start moving things around and changing things in the house, spirits get mad. They're like, yeah. bitch. Bitch, you guessed it. I'm fucking with my shit. <laughs> the home gang, nor no, no, no. <laughs> The home gang, noit. Anakin. Got it. Um, the home <laughs> gain notoriety. Just like, why was that, that word not computing in my brain? I don't know why. Noit. <laughs> Anakin. Um, <laughs> Every time I mess up, now I'm just gonna scream Anakin, and no one's gonna understand except you and these people that are listening. <laughs> what? These these fine people that are listening. Whenever you mess up, just scream to Anakin. That's our new. That's a new shirt. Just concept. Anakin. Just hashtag up, Anakin. Just scream Anakin. Or it's like hashtag internal screaming Anakin. Anakin. <laughs> Anakin. Anakin. The home gained notoriety after a grisly murder-suicide took place within its walls. Early in the morning on December 6, 1959, physician Harold Perelson killed his wife, Lillian, and attacked his teenage daughter before taking his own life. The house sold to new owners in 1960, but was seldom occupied. Occasional trespassers found items, including wrapped Christmas presents, that had been appeared, that had appeared and had been left behind by one of the residents. The house eventually popped back up on the market in 2016, listed as a fixer-upper, like I said. It's a bit of a fixer-upper! <laughs> it sold later to a couple who had plans to remodel and eventually move into the residence, according to then-listing agent Nancy Sanborn. But the house is now up for sale again with a $3.5 million price tag. Again, it's cash-only, apparently. Yep, yeah, and it is cash-only. Building and safety records show the current owner's applied for renovation permits and work does appear to have been done on the place listing photos show the home's interior spaces have been taken down to the studs and much of the flooring has been stripped well like we said if there was cat piss in the yeah you're gonna have to completely rip the flooring out the house is far from move-in ready though and a list and listing material describes the property as ripe for ground up development those considering taking out a jumbo mortgage to purchase the house need not apply only cash or hard money. Yeah, because I just got 3.5 million cash lying around. Will be considered. Don't tell me. Like, damn it. <laughs> to see more. Anakin. <laughs> to, to, uh, okay, yeah, so there's there's photos on this website by a photographer named Alexis Vaughn. 
in which sun-dried items from the home's long history can be seen collecting dust in its aging walls. That was back in 2016. Um, I lied, by the way. No one has bought it. I read something wrong. So it's still sitting on the market as far as I know. Good luck with that. $3.5 million in cash. That's for, for a celebrity that just ass... has money to burn. Hey, uh, Zach. <laughs> I'm so surprised Baggins hasn't jumped on this. Oh, I was like, Zach who? My brain immediately went to Efron. I'm wow. like, why would Zach no. Efron want that? No <laughs> and no. Um, no. Yeah, I'm surprised his ass ain't got on that I am train. really surprised Baggins has not jumped on this. I guess, I guess he's still work. He's working up to that 3.5 mil. Yeah, I don't he's think he's probably way. not like a big millionaire. He's probably... Yeah, I doubt that. Because um, if he was, that house would have been bought. <laughs> oh, no, I, yeah. I, I firmly believe if he would have had the money for it, he would have bought it immediately. He would have He would have made that it. house that where the museum is. more than, He would have jumped on it. that's what he'll do. And he would He'll probably have... move his museum when he has um, the money to, to that house. That wouldn't surprise me at all. How, you know what, how crazy is that though? And, and it makes total fucking sense that as soon as the couple that bought it three years ago, start making renovations on it, they start having problems. Bitch, you guessed it. I'm telling you guys, this There's that some is ghosts. a telltale, that is a telltale sign. So not every state in the U.S., has to tell residents when they move in if a house if there was a murder or anything in the house done they don't have to tell you that so i'm just letting everybody know if you're first time homeowners and you move into a place especially if it's needing renovation and you start renovating shit and then crazy shit just starts happening get out of that fucking house (laughs) so i'm not gonna say who it was because obviously for reasons but um I heard a story about this couple who moved into a house with their kids and their kid is talking about an imaginary friend. I don't remember his name, um, but he has a name and it's a name that a kid just wouldn't know. It's not like Steve or Bob or something like that. Like it's, it was definitely not a it's like name. a name and um they found him in his room holding a cross upside down. And he said, the name likes it when I hold it like this. Now, this kid is probably four or five. Yeah. So no kid's going to hold a cross upside down and just be like, oh, so-and-so likes it when I do this. Um, Bitch, you need to get a priest in there now. <laughs> like, immediately. immediately. <laughs> Because that's, I'm like, I don't fuck with that shit. Something need, you, no, mm-mm. That's some paranormal activity shit right there. Nope. I ain't getting no Tobies. No Tobies, no thank you. <laughs> no Tobies. No Tobies. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh my god, that's a, that's amazing. But yeah, um, I'm telling you guys, that is insane. That just... This house, the whole concept of this house, when I first heard about it, I I just, 
you know, it, it's crazy. It's, I hate that there haven't been more reports. So it, it was kind of hard to substantiate some of the reports of the hauntings because a lot of neighbors don't like to be interviewed about this house because most of them have just complained at the fact that the place is just, it, it's it like, like we mentioned in the descriptions. And if you guys get a chance to see pictures of it, it's a gorgeous house, but the upkeep on it just, it just literally started rotting away and falling apart. And it's in a very nice neighborhood, obviously, if it's selling for $3 million fucking dollars. Also, this is LA, so everything in LA is expensive. But these neighbors were just sick and t- the place started to become an eyesore. I mean, they were just, they were tired of it. And again, it started to, it, not only were you getting people that, were amateur ghost hunters or just people that like, oh, we heard somebody was murdered there. Let's go see. So that's annoying in itself because they're near your property. But then you're getting, you know, homeless people, drug addicts, prostitutes, and you definitely don't want those people around your property either. So the house in itself, it's, it's, I hate that there haven't been more substantiated claims about it being haunted. Um, there's, there's no doubt in my mind it's fucking haunted. And I think that last article just completely substantiated that anytime, like we said, anytime you ever read about a place that's being renovated and shit starts happening, it's, it's fucking haunted. And that goes back full, uh, to Danvers. Right. Exactly. Cause they literally had exactly. issues renovating as it. As soon as they started breaking ground on the pool and the, in the surrounding area, they started having paranormal activity and it, it happens. It, it happens all the time. You constantly hear about it. So there's no doubt in my mind that it's haunted. I just hate that there haven't been un- enough substantiated claims. Cause like I said, any neighbors that have said that they maybe have seen something or just more aggravated about the place never being kept up in well condition. I think the reason why a lot of it hasn't been substantiated is because they don't want people to go to it. Right. Like well, if, if, also, if there is a b- bunch of stuff that's happened, it's kind of kept under the rug. So people aren't cl- just cause you know, like that happened with the conjuring house. The uh, farmhouse up in um, Connecticut. Yeah, the prior couple, the the person that owned it prior to the couple that live in it now were sick and tired of people coming around after that movie came out. I mean, they actually sued Warner Brothers. They sued Warner Brothers because they were so pissed off about that movie being made. Obviously, they didn't win. But, (laughs) I mean, they did. It's like, well, I don't know. This is just a, this is totally a baseless, like, you know, sorry, the movie was going to get made. Sorry, you got caught in the crossfire. So nothing came about with the with the lawsuit. But yeah, these people were pissed because they didn't want people coming around their property, um, which I totally agree with you on that, Casper. But I think the other the other point I was going to make, too, was that other people that were reporting it being haunted were a lot of the homeless people that were staying there. Yeah. So maybe people just thought, oh, no, they're probably mentally ill or they're on drugs. So we're not going to believe them if they say it, say it's haunted. I think that's a bit dismissive to yeah. say that all homeless people are, you know, quite a number of homeless people are mentally ill, especially in L.A. and Skid Row. They are. I mean, I'm, that's, I'm sorry to say a fact, but to say all of them were, I I don't think is correct. And, um, you know, a lot of those homeless people were actually in the house, so they probably really saw a lot of crazy shit going on. So, um. Yeah, you know, I like I said, but I have no doubt in my mind that the house is haunted. How could it not be? That's such a horrible thing that happened. I have absolutely no doubt that they both haunt it. Probably. 
Oh, yeah. I mean, you got to think. So if you guys are familiar with ghost shows, there's such a, th- or just, you know, haunts in general, the history of haunts and whatnot, there is such a thing as residual hauntings. So going back mm. in the article that Casper was reading when they mentioned, um, somebody had mentioned hearing a, a scream, woman screaming, no. no, that could be the murder of the wife of Lillian happening over and over and over and over and over. So that's essentially what a residual haunting is. If there's a traumatic event that's happened in that area, that event in the quote unquote afterlife just keeps happening in like a loop just over and over and over and over and over. So that looks well, like in ghost adventures and ghost hunters right. when they're in insane asylums and such, and they'll catch a scream more than I get chills. Talk. I don't like screams, but you, no, you either. hear it. <laughs> I know you don't. What I heard in the <laughs> but that's, that's another example. That like, was a residual you haunting, have the explosion. The You're screams, hearing a scream. Yeah. It's the scream of the people that died in that explosion. So yeah, so, yeah. it's, Residual hauntings are very common. Very, very common in places where tragedy took place. I hate the idea of residual hauntings. Yeah. Because to me, there's no peace whatsoever to that person that died. They're constantly, they're they're not in heaven or whatever afterlife you all believe in. We're not going to get into that right now. But they're just, they're constantly. Yeah, we're not ever getting into that. (laughs) You're just constantly reliving your death. Your murder, your whatever, over and over and over and over again. So that in itself is horrific. Um, yeah, and I'm telling you, dude, if somebody wants to get on writing a script about Dr. Pearlson, because I'm telling you, I would not put it past this guy having been, been in. There's just there's some dark art shit that's happened in L.A. You know, the Black Dahlia murders, that was the doctor that was involved. His house wasn't far from there. He did abortions on women. There was some crazy ass shit that was going on in his house. So who's to know? And these people hung around with other people that did shit. So who's to know if there wasn't some dark arts, satanic practice? I don't fucking know, but I would love to see somebody jump on that shit. I think that would be a really awesome concept. And guess what? It's not a remake. (laughs) You're welcome. Really? Really? An original idea? An original idea. <laughs> Take it and run with it, please. You know, this movie's going to be getting made and we're both going to look at each other and be like, this was our idea. They stole our idea. I mean, it's good, but like. Which is kind of what happened in the movie anyway, or in the story anyway. <laughs> Someone stole someone's idea and patented it. But yeah, hey Disney, um, don't steal the idea since you buy everything. Calm down, Disney. Um, (laughs) Disney buys out all the horror movies. um, Speaking of Disney buying out, and I will read this to you after we're done. There is an amazing thread that I found on Instagram that somebody wrote on Twitter um, that basically starts from like Disney buying Hulu and literally goes in like to the year twenty one hundred, where Disney has basically bought the world. It is the most incredible thread I've ever read in my life. Somebody was very high and had a lot of time on their hands, but it was incredible and I love it and I can't wait to share it with you because it's amazing. I have to say, I feel like that's actually going to happen. 
<laughs> Look, let me tell you, after I read it, I was a bit shooketh. Because I was like, um, I am shooketh. This could really fucking happen, and I don't like They've this. already started with Fox. Just like give this. them time. <laughs> when Disney buys Sony, it's over. It's fucking over. And when, and I did you notice I didn't oh, say I cannot, if? I cannot wait to read this <laughs> Disney's going to buy Nintendo. Disney buys Apple Disney's Watch gonna... and renames it the Mickey Watch. <laughs> the Goofy Watch. <laughs> Gorsh. <laughs> uh, Disney buys PlayStation and renames it Disney Universe. Um, oh my god. It's incredible. This thing. They're going to and watch it. Yeah, when Disney buys to, It's going to be like that Simpsons did it. Where, like, shit is starting to come true that was on the fucking Simpsons and this whole and fucking entire thread in, like, 50 years. We're going to be like, oh, my God, it's really happening. I'm going to be like, Disney just bought Sony and Microsoft. Disney just bought the world. Disney owns Earth. <laughs> it's Skynet. It's <laughs> The and Terminators are coming. And Disney's going to be like, and we're going to remake everything <laughs> dun, dun, dun. and we're all like no <laughs> Anakin <laughs> uh, I love how sometimes I just come back full circle so well <laughs> I mean Disney did buy Lucasfilm oh, so we have all, that all comes back to Anakin oh my god that was great I hope you guys enjoyed that the Los Fides. Doesn't it always come back to Anakin? <laughs> I just almost spit everywhere. <laughs> it should be called Star Wars Saga. Anakin. Anakin. <laughs> it all comes back to Anakin. Oh my gosh. <sighs> Hayden Christensen. <laughs> anyway. So yeah, oh, I love that you guys. Uh, I love that you guys love to listen to this. I hope you guys enjoyed. This was fun. It was. It was. It was fun to do something I had never. I, I never actually knew anything about because, like we were talking about in the beginning, sometimes it's a big learning experience for us, and that's really fun to do. Yes. So our next episode is going to be out on New Year's Day. Yes. Our first episode of 2020. Should I make a joke? Okay, can I just say something real quick? These if are the I worst see, jokes in the fucking world, I swear. If I see... <laughs> Pause. Sorry. For Casper joking. Um, if I see any more of these fucking posts... 2020. Vision. Guess who owns Vision? Oh, I'm so to Disney. Disney owns Vision. Anakin. Oh my god, I'm so tired. I mean, I I knew it was coming. I knew it and was coming. And it's the guy going, I knew it was coming. The fucking, in 2020, I'm going to be seeing things in 2020. Stop, 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 stop. And guess what other jokes are coming? See you next year. It was like last year was yesterday. Every single year. Why are these not dying out? <laughs> Every single year. And we're all going to be writing 2019 into the first three weeks of 2020. Because you know that always happens. Also, can we just <laughs> call the 20s coming up the Roaring 20s? 
<laughs> and just redo 1920s. <laughs> We're getting crazy. <laughs> Can we just do that? Because I would, I get behind that. Oh my that. god, it sounds like so much fun. <laughs> like we all dress like the 20s. I love it. Everything goes back to what it was like in the 20s. Some black and white movies will come oh. out. I want one of those cigarette holders. I love those. Oh my god, praise Satan. (laughs) (laughs) I always low-key loved that she had one of those. Oh my god, I I want one so bad. Okay, so yeah. Oh, you mean like in Titanic too when she uses those? Yes. Yes. I'm down for that, guys. If you guys are down for the 2020s being the new Roaring Twenties, let at us. Do at us. Do at us. Um. If you have any discrepancies about what we said at the beginning of this episode, don't at us. Anakin. (laughs) Always comes back to Anakin. But next week's episode is about the best and worst horror of 2019. So we are This will be opinion-based, y'all. Yeah, so Just letting you know, this will be opinion-based. We're not going to, like, rank them... No, like, no. no. Um, no also, just there's do, just too many to do that. Yeah, there's way too many. Um, <laughs> we're just going to take a few that we thought that we personally enjoyed um, from 2019 and a few that we did not, um, <laughs> to put it lightly. And uh, we'll probably throw in a few Miz. Like, see what you guys think. Yeah, we like, didn't hate this. Like, one. special mention to these ones that we didn't really hate, but we were just kind of indifferent to. So. Because there were a couple of those, too. Yeah. There was a couple I was like, ah! <clears throat> so predictable, yet watchable. <sighs> yeah, that's why I said it wasn't... <laughs> like I... Also, I just love Octavia Spencer, so that had me sold. And I just love... Uh... Oh, he's gay. We could sit here and analyze how many straight girls I'm in love with, but you know... <laughs> Luke Evans. How many gay men I'm in? She's in love with a lot of gay men, and I'm, I'm in, in love, love with, with a lot of a lot straight of women. So <laughs> I'm gonna need some of you girls to start coming out of the closet here. Soon. And it's like just when I start finding them hot, it's like oh, gay. <laughs> and then you throws get, phone. <laughs> you get the occasional few women who come out, and you're like, fuck yes, uh, Ellen Page, uh, uh, Sarah Paulson. <laughs> You're like so happy. You're so happy. And then you get the the ones that you're like, yeah, she's closeted, but we don't like, talk about that. <laughs> that's the one that's like gonna that's the one that's gonna come out and we're all just gonna go like, yeah, we know anyway. <laughs> Moving on. Yeah, we yeah. <laughs> oh yay! So in today's <laughs> yeah, so what, what were we talking about? Uh... <laughs> oh look, Brie Larson came out. Shh. <laughs> oh, <laughs> But that's none of my business. And that's the tea. That's the tea. Yeah, when Sophie Turner came out, I was like, <laughs> oh. The, the, the way you treated. I mean. Um, we got it. Aria. <laughs> <laughs> I've never watched the show and I knew what she was done. <laughs> is it Ma- Massey? Massey Williams. Yes. I was like, what is her fucking name? Hot. That's her name. No, I'm just <laughs> I was, this is so <laughs> off topic. I was watching Revenge the other day and Brianne Howie was on it and I died. I was like, Brianne Howie. <laughs> oh. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> Go watch The Exorcist. <laughs> Show. 
<laughs> show. <laughs> Brianne Howie's in the show in Hannah Kasalka. Anyway, off topic. So, a word from our sponsor. Calm your body down. <laughs> Finally, I got it on fucking point. It wasn't off key. So, right now, guys, big, huge after Christmas sale. Everything on the Etsy site is 50% off and free shipping until next week. Everything. So, um, there is going to be a lot of changes coming to Calm Your Body Down next year, which is literally next week. Um, so, the sale is going to be going on until from today until next Friday. There's no code or anything. It's just go to the site order what you want it'll be half price and free shipping um the there will be some uh items that will no longer be available um obviously the uh after friday the christmas bath bombs will no longer be available so if you guys i hope you guys saw casper story if you guys like if you guys like peppermint or you guys like sugar cookie i just had a bath today with a sugar cookie one. Oh my god um Make sure you grab those Christmas ones because after next Friday, they will no longer be available at all. Um, I'm kind of toying with the idea of maybe keeping some, but there will be some items that are going to be removed. There will be some new items coming, but we're going to be restructuring a few things um, with prices and coupon codes. Um, I will tell you that the DFWT code um, after the sale is going to be changing. Um, and another thing that I've been falling behind on that, uh, will be coming back is that for fans, um, if you order any calm your body down item and you use the DFWT, DFWTO code, you will be getting the stickers. I want to get those out to as many people as possible because we will be reissuing those next year. Um, and I'm going to be restructuring that code. It's not, available for use now, but I'm going to be restructuring it for something different for, um, our new listeners. So, uh, just keep checking back to the Instagram page. Um, the website is going to be completely restructured next year. So there's just going to be like a lot of whole new things coming for the next year, but buy up everything now, if you want it 50% off, it's only happening for the next week. And, uh, thank you again, everybody. And thank you again for everybody who ordered around the holidays too. <clears throat> Calm your, oh. <laughs> calm your body down. I'm so sorry. The phlegm has been real. That was amazing. I was like, huh? Oh, I was going through puberty today. That's right. That's right. We talked about that earlier. Right. We did. Yeah, oh, I'm, fi- I'm finally, darn. I'm finally getting a deeper voice. <laughs> finally. I'm finally going through puberty, guys. It only took how long? 13 years. <laughs> Um, the other thing I know that we were going to be doing next year, too, because um, I, I know that uh, Casper and I have just, guys, we have just really not had the time, especially the closer it gets to the holidays. But um, next year, our Patreon will be happening. And we will be getting t-shirts for all of you that keep asking. I'm getting a lot of people asking yeah. about t-shirts. So, um, And we got to add the Anakin one now. <laughs> basically, what we're going to be doing, guys, is that our... Uh, our Patreon is going to be, we will have, um, you know, we'll start off with just like dollar donations and then maybe just move it up from there. Um, the highest donation cost will be getting a t-shirt. We're not going to have it outrageous, like $20, $50, anything crazy like that. They're going to be really low, reasonable amounts for you guys to donate to us. 
Um, and then the special content that we agreed to do is um, Casper and I will be separately releasing our own content. So you'll not only be able to get all of our Don't Fuck With The Original episodes on Patreon, but we're also going to be releasing our separate content. Um, Casper will be reviewing horror video games because um, Casper's a gamer and I know that's a lot. I know that's something that a lot of you guys are into and uh, I know that I have even gotten people that I know personally that are like, oh my God, I wish you guys would do horror video games. So I feel like that's something that would <clears throat> really be, <clears throat> excuse me, more so for our Patreon page. And I really think that's something that Casper would just like, that's something that she wants to do that she would be perfect in doing. It'll get and... me more into playing again, back, back again too. Cause honestly guys, I just, I don't play as much as I used to mostly because I don't have the time to. So actually being like, I have to play for my podcast. It'll get me more into it again to stop being lazy and not doing it. Cause I'm face it. I'm just lazy. I have no excuse. I'm just lazy. <laughs> but I mean, you could do like, um, we could do like a once a month content thrown out there on the Patreon page where Casper will do will do horror video games and I will do um mine will be centered around conspiracy theories. I told you guys I'm a huge conspiracy conspiracy theorist. <laughs> I love conspiracy stuff. I'm all into it. There is a lot of conspiracy stuff though that is centered around haunted and paranormal true crime. So um I know a lot of you are like, what? Trust me. It is out there. Y'all, this shit's interesting. <laughs> it I'm not is gonna lie. out there. And if you guys, if any of you are into it like me, you're going, hell yeah, it is. And I cannot wait to bring it to you guys. So that will be a separate part of content that our Patreon will be bringing to you. So, um, and like we said, we'll have t-shirts that if you guys donate five bucks, you can get a t-shirt. We will shout out every, we'll shout out every Patreon giver Every podcast episode, we'll make sure we shout them out on our social media. So um, I know that is something that a lot of people have wanted us to do that we have been wanting to do and mentioning that we could do. But just within the first year of this podcast and getting towards the end of the year, it was just something that was not possible to do. So um, now that we're more familiar with Patreon and we'll actually have the time to get it up and running, we'll be able to bring you guys that content and get those donations coming in. Um, because we know, you know, we know that we don't, we've had people even say, like, we would not mind giving to get different content from you guys, t-shirts and whatnot. Like you said, the t-shirt, <clears throat> the t-shirt thing is going to be the big thing. So many podcasts, when they start out and they start getting a following, people want merch, like, it's and, gonna be crazy seeing merch. Too. Um, that's gonna be fucked up. That's gonna, <laughs> that's gonna fuck me up. That's hard. gonna be the craziest thing because like you guys are gonna be wearing our merch and then you're gonna be like sending us pictures of you wearing our merch and like I don't know how I'm gonna handle that. Anakin. It's gonna be, it's, I'm just like, Anakin. Anakin. We probably can't do the Anakin shirt though because that might be copyrighted. Yeah. I don't. I cannot have Disney coming after me. Okay. <laughs> I can't afford to fight Disney. <laughs> They they have everything. Nope, 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 n
Then send the fucking Mandalorian <laughs> where is the child? Bring the child. Bring the child. <laughs> the child, bring it. Anyways. All right, guys. Well, we will see you next week. Um, have a great and safe New Year's. Uh, like I said, we will be posting the new episode on New Year's night, so be careful out on New Year's Eve if you have any crazy plans. Enjoy yourselves. We will see you all in 2020. <laughs> uh, all of our socials. Count oh, that yeah, out real I'm quick. Sorry. Yeah, no, you're fine. We'll we'll see. Hey, next I haven't year, forgotten but... a while, so no, you're cool. It's <clears throat> good. Uh, Facebooks, Twitter, and Facebooks. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Don't Fuck With The Original. Make sure to spell it out to the letter and even the apostrophe. Otherwise, you will not find it. Twitter handle is DFWTO8811. Um, if you would like to subscribe to us, we are on CastBox, Podbean, Podcast Player, Podcast Addicts, and Spotify. Give us, a, give, us, give us a follow, give us a subscribe, and you'll find out when we always post new episodes because you will get a notification. Croissant. <laughs> okay, guess we'll see you next year. Okay, bye. 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 bye.